0: Hello and welcome to the Pactum. On today's episode, we are discussing one of the more interesting and too often confusing issues in Christianity. It doesn't need to be, but unfortunately it is. I'm on the edge of my seat. I know. Episode 133.
1: What in the world are we gonna talk about? We're
0: here to help, and we are here to help by talking about the law.
1: I fought the law and the law Won. Great Clash song.
0: Yes. I don't know the song, but hey.
1: (laughs) Maybe a highlight, a concert highlight for me was being in the mosh pit. You know, I I was sure to touch Joe Strummer's boot just so, you know, years later after he's dead and gone, I could say on the Pactum, I touched touched Joe Strummer's boot. There you go. The sacred anointing (laughs) from the Clash. I fought the law and the law Won. We're talking about the law because the law is. All over the Bible. Right. Um, it's yep. confusing for some people. It's been confusing in my young Christian life. It doesn't have to be confusing. No, it doesn't
0: have to be. And like, it's one of those things we've talked about before categories. It's helpful. So we want to help people absolutely. clarify.
1: Now, do you think we know everything there is to know? Uh, I don't think so. Are we so. going to answer every question people have? There's no way we're going to answer every I question. I don't think so, have, but, but I do think we can help you get some traction when it comes to understanding the law. Right. We like to talk about law and gospel on the Pactum. We're not doing that today per se, though we'll touch on it, but we're, we're just talking about the law. That word, the word for law is used so many times, or whether it's Hebrew or Greek, uh, the word translated law is. Everywhere's. It is. And it can be confusing because different things are meant, meant. So we're going to talk about the Mosaic Law. We're going to talk about what the law is. We're going to talk about whether or not Christians are under the law, whether we're under the Mosaic Law, natural law, and so much more. That's la, right. La,
0: la, la, la. La, Lots of law today. And since here on the Pactum we like top 10 lists or lists, we're going to use kind of a 10 questions uh, to get us through this topic of the law.
1: Very predictable.
0: Right? Hey, we want to very, keep, it, keep it predictable. We want predictable. to be the same all the time. So we're going to start with the obvious question everybody knows we're going to ask first, what is
1: the law? Well, on the easy side of things, we can say the law is what God commands or what God requires, sometimes called commandments. So what's the law? What God requires. But we can also say... In the not-so-easy sense, the mm-hmm. not-so-easy answer to that question, we have the law of Moses, right. we have natural law, we have commandments given in the New Testament that are not a part of the natural law, they're not part of the Mosaic law, So, and yet they're commandments, so that would be law as well. So there is law, and there's law.
0: <laughs> right, there's law and there's <laughs> law, for sure, yeah. So
1: not all, maybe we'll start with lo- the law is what God requires or commands, but... um it's not all Mosaic Law. Some of it's Mosaic Law. Not all of it is. And I think as we work our way through this episode, I think we're going to help people kind of sort out some of those issues that relate to the complexity of things. Right.
0: When you ask the question, what do you? what's the most typical response you get when you ask people, what is the law? I think lots of people
1: think uh, Ten Commandments. I think so. That's what I hear is... As well. Yep. Yeah. So, And and there are so many, you know, some people think Christians have nothing to do with the law whatsoever because we're not the nation of Israel. Some people think all of the laws for the nation of Israel are applicable for all people of all time, even though they don't really think that, thankfully. Right, right. They're not consistent. Yeah. So it's, but it's not alphabet soup. It's not theological alphabet soup. Right. Uh, there actually is, there are good categories. We are here to help on the pactum because that's what we like to do.
0: We like to help. Yep. So let's go on to a second question then. When was the law
1: given? That's like a trick question as well. Uh, You know. Right. So Exodus 20 is when the 10 commandments are given. So if we're talking about the Mosaic law, which would also follow the book of Exodus, we have in Leviticus as well and and the the Pentateuch. Uh, But... (laughs) So, Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, that's when the law is given, if that's what you mean. But, Mike, there is law. There's law and there's law. <laughs> and, and I like to say, for shock value, there's, there, there was law before there was law. Mm, yeah. So, there's law before there's law because... There's law. God requires things before the Ten Commandments. Sure. Before yeah. Exodus twenty. There's there are lots of things said. And I really like to go here. Exodus sixteen twenty-eight says, uh, the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? hmm there's Zinger law there. before hey, there's know? law. So uh, that right there should shock all of us, everyone, sure. is saying there's law before there's law. So don't think, don't get confused and think law is only Ten Commandments, only Mosaic law, only Old Covenant uh, economy. Right. There, yeah. There have been laws and commandments from the very beginning since the time of Adam and Eve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so let's keep that in mind. Adam was not free to do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, He was obligated to do what God wanted him to do, and what he commanded, what he lawed. (laughs) What he lawed. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So um, we have what's called the law written on the heart. Yeah. So if we go back to Genesis, uh, even before Abraham, uh, before we have Jews, before we have uh, Israel, if you will, uh, if you go back to Abraham, sorry, if we go back to Adam, he would have had the instruction from God that he heard, but we're also taught in Romans chapter two that everyone, everyone who's ever been born has had the law of God written on their heart. Hmm, yeah. So the argument, remember, in Romans two is to show that everyone is a sinner. Everyone is a sinner, whether they are a Jew or a Gentile. Right. God is just, he's fair, and he's going to uh, condemn people based upon their bad actions, if you will. Uh, and so it says in Ro- uh, Romans two twelve, for all who have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law. Hmm. So they don't have the law of Moses, and yet they violate law. Uh, remember, too, 1 John 3, 4 says, sin is lawlessness. Sure, yeah. So if those people sin, they sinned against a law, but it's not the Mosaic law. Sure, yeah. Mike, am, am I going too fast for you? No,
0: it? I'm, I'm tracking. <laughs> I'm, I'm catching what you're saying here. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. We've got law before there's law and there's law written on the heart. And the
1: go-to verse really is Romans 2:15. The work of the law is written on their hearts. Mm. So, Gentiles do right things relatively speaking sometimes right, because yeah. they're following the law. And uh and yet they 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 break the law uh and so they're sinners, so they stand condemned as well. I brought that up because he, Romans 2 can be confusing because Sometimes they do the right thing. Sometimes they obey the law, even though they don't have the law. Sure. Well, that's because it's written on their hearts. Right. Yeah. But he's the Paul's not trying to argue that they're going to go to heaven because they're law keepers. He's trying to show when we get there in chapter three, verses ten and following. Jew or Gentile, everyone is a sinner. Everyone has violated. A law, yes. whether it's the one written on the heart, um, which would be true for Jew and Gentile or the Jewish people he's addressing. Right. They violated the law as it's been inscripturated. They violated the Mosaic law. So there is law uh, and there is law. There is right. law before the law if we're talking about the Mosaic law. Uh, would it be true, Mike, that everyone is under law?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is under the law. Everyone's that therefore obligated yeah. to obey the law.
1: Yep. Uh, will be judged accordingly, right? That's the argument of Romans. Yeah. Uh, And I wish someone would have told me this a long time ago, because I tended to be confused and to think, well, law, that's what's Ten Commandments. That's Moses. Uh, But when we just stop and think about it and and calm down, take a deep breath. Right. Oh, there are commandments that that, that pre-existed and they exist afterward also. Right. So as a little bit of an aside, when we do think about the Ten Commandments— uh, I wouldn't be the first one to say, and we wouldn't be the first ones to say here in the pactum. The Ten Commandments are God's natural law that's g- given to everyone, but it's spe- specifically and uniquely uh, codified, written down, and applied to Israel. Hmm. So I can read the Ten Commandments and say, you know, in principle that those all make sense. Yeah. Sure. Even though I'm not part of the nation of Israel. Well, they make sense because they they, they pre existed the ten, if you will. Hmm. Um and so we find them and we principalize them even now because they were principles before they were written down in scripturated principles given to the nation of Israel. Right. Yeah. So maybe one maybe we should say something about natural law, since yeah. I mentioned natural sure, law. Sure. Um so my friend, Dave, our friend, Dave Andrunen, who's been on the Pactum before in his book, Politics After Christendom, uh, says this natural law in short refers to God's basic moral will for the human race revealed in the created order itself, such that all people have the capacity to understand and respond to it, although they also sinfully distort it. Hmm. So you could have no special revelation, um, written in scripturated revelation. You could have no 10 commandments and yet you would still be obligated to obey God. And you'd be obligated to obey God because Romans chapter two makes it clear the laws written on the heart. We have natural law. Maybe one more thing about that. And this will be from the confession that we uh, use here at the church. Uh, This is the second London confession of 1689 says this, the same law. That was first written in the heart of man, continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness after the fall, and was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in Ten Commandments and written in two tables. Hmm. Yeah. So just to reach back to history a little bit and say, the pactum, the pactum's not making this stuff up. No, this is not something we've made (laughs) up here just
0: for this episode. This is something that Christians have held to for many, many years. Yes.
1: So when was the law given? From the very, very beginning, if we're talking about right. law, maybe we'd say, I don't know, I I, I was going to say lowercase l for law in general, uppercase l for mosaic law, uh, but that probably isn't very helpful. Yeah. So there are different expressions of the one law. Right. Uh, maybe we could say it that way. Sure.
0: Yeah. So we talk about when the law is given. Uh, who? Another question. Who was the law given to? And why is
1: it so important? And we've kind of covered that. Right. We've kind of already alluded to this. But it was my question, so I'm glad you asked it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure to ask all of your questions before we get through. Well, we don't want to go too fast with this because, again, the law is not only given to Israel. The law is given to everyone. Go back and read Romans 2. So Gentiles or or Greeks, sometimes it is, uh, and there are Jews, everyone is obligated. Everyone stands condemned uh, because we violate what God requires of us, so the law in that sense is given to everyone, yeah, and I also think it's helpful just for us to see what's what's so patently obvious, but we forget sometimes um requirements before exodus twenty hmm. yeah, right? right so requirements. Commandments, laws. So everyone is required. If we want to borrow from Jesus later, to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as themselves. So that that's in play from the very beginning. Uh, all of humanity—that's who it's given to. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, as you might predict, uh, it's there is a unique expression given in uniquely, and it's given to the Jews. Mm, now we're yeah. talking about Mosaic law. We're talking about that unique expression of it. Now we're in Exodus chapter twenty and then mike interestingly enough after you have the 10 given in chapter 20 21 22 and 23 you have it you know uniquely um applied right now, now it's yeah. applied to israel uh as they were living you know, and yeah, as right. they were to conduct themselves yeah as they've received it in their In their theocracy, as we talk about, right? I think it's good to talk about theocracy for Israel. So it's the the unique expression is given to them. Uh, It's not given to everyone, though we can learn principles from it, and we should learn principles from it. Sure, yeah. But we should remember Israel is unique, and when we fail to see that, we probably start trying to apply unique expressions of the law um, to people that it was never designed to be— given to. Sure, yeah. uh, If the United States of America and every other country is supposed to apply uh, the Ten Commandments 10 commandments specifically the way they're laid out in 21 22 and 23 we're going to do things like kill heretics right yep um and so we we on the pactum we're not theonomous um we don't think we actually should do that um and so when you say oh it's all for us it's all given to us uh i'm glad that most people aren't consistent with that yeah right but israel is actually supposed to do that they are a theocracy so uh, god government this is a great quotation, I thought, from my favorite commentary on Exodus by mm. Currid, I think is how you pronounce it. C U R R I D. Mm-hmm. He says, Israel's theocracy is unique. Hear that. Israel's theocracy <laughs> is unique. They were a once called nation, never to be repeated. Our countries are not to be equated with Israel, and the statutes of the covenant code were for Israel as an emerging nation. They are descriptive for the time of Israel. Mm. And I think he is right, and he's really onto to something. Uh, what ends up happening, unfortunately, and maybe I'm getting ahead, uh, is when we make uh, Israel and we make, when we make Israel's laws not unique to the holy nation, and we try to apply them to everyone, we, we do silly things. Uh, we do wrong things. Silly is not the right word. We, we, we don't see Israel as this special, extraordinary, holy nation that it was mm. designed specifically to, to anticipate and foreshadow that which is 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 to come the the ultimate promised land um they they were a type they were a shadow and christ is going to be the substance and the antitype uh and we don't keep having new types we Mm. don't keep having new shadows with every country ever right yeah yeah, yeah. and so sometimes people uh no let's leave it at that okay
0: yeah uh so another question what
1: law did jesus fulfill how about if we're just safe for starters, Mike, and we say, Jesus fulfilled all that was necessary, he fulfilled all that whatever was necessary. laws he was supposed to fulfill, <laughs> he fulfilled them. Those are the ones. Let, let's make sure we, we say that from the outset. But then, you know, as a member of the human race, as the last Adam, I'm going to say Jesus fulfilled the law in general, in every way necessary. Right. Uh, yep. But, and yet he was uniquely born at a unique time, uh, born under the Mosaic law. Right. Yep. So it's both, it's a both and, but he was born under the Mosaic law. So he fulfilled the law in a general sense, uh, but he also fulfilled the law as it would pertain to the nation of Israel so that he could show himself to be the true prophet, to be the true to be the true priest, to be the true king, to be the ultimate temple, to be the ultimate lamb, and so God strategically, uniquely had Jesus born at that time, yeah. uh, so that He could be the antitype, so that He could be the the fulfillment, not sure. the shadow, but the substance. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's both. It's wonderfully both. Um, and we learn about this in the book of Galatians. Mm-hmm. And so I won't take the time to read the whole thing, but in Galatians 3.15 all the way to four 7, yeah, you see how, uh, and to use a fancy word here, uh, I think Paul is speaking in terms of the historia salutis. The historia salutis. <laughs> and what we mean by that is he's talking about how um, in redemptive history things happened uh, one thing after another after another. sure. And sure. so uniquely Israel is given the law after the promise after Abraham later on, you have the Mosaic law and it's there for a specific purpose. It's there for the specific purpose of getting Israel ready for the coming of the Messiah. Hmm. And so uh, that's, what's going on there and is unfolding there. uh, They, uh, the law was a tutor uh, to lead Israel to seeing Jesus as their righteousness. So, um, Oh, I probably should cut to the chase, but it does say things like in verse 24, uh, it says, so then the law, and I take it as Mosaic law in context, sure. yep. was our guardian until Christ came. Right, And then it goes on to say, in order that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, in other words, now that Christ has come and his work has come, uh, we no longer are under the tutor. We no longer have to have the Mosaic covenant. We no longer have to have the old covenant, if you will. And so I think it's important that we see that. It says in chapter four, verse four, he's born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that he might receive, the, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Right. Yeah. So I think we have to keep in mind um, that Jesus is the one who fulfills the law. Yep. Uh, but as he fulfills the law in perfectly loving God and loving neighbor as himself, to summarize, he is also fulfilling the Mosaic law. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. There's I have so many notes on Galatians 3 and 4 that I'm itching <laughs> to share because the Pactum's a time of sharing. It is a time of sharing. We, we
0: get on our <laughs> we, Pactum We do. and we share.
1: <laughs> oh, but I don't think we should for now. I did just um, reread J.V. Fesco's section in his small Galatians commentary on this. It's really helpful if you have questions about how the Historia Salutis works. Hmm. Um Galatians three fifteen to four seven, uh, I commend it to you. I commend it to you because I wrote an endorsement too, and I'm pretty happy to have been asked. <laughs> so,
0: man, it's on the back cover of that I thing. I know,
1: I know. I Schnazzy. like I like John a lot, and I like the work that he does. And uh, sometimes that text is confusing, and it doesn't need to be. Sure.
0: So, thinking of Jesus fulfilling the law, uh, what does it mean then for Jesus? to not abolish the law but to fulfill it thinking of Matthew right 5:17 where Jesus says do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What does that mean then?
1: So how about he doesn't get rid of it, right? Jesus didn't sure, show up right. to get rid of it. And he's not the new kinder, gentler Moses, as some people have said. Right. Uh, no, he doesn't come to get rid of the law, to abolish it. Abolish means uh, it's actually used um, in other writings for the, for the destruction of a building. Hmm. And so he didn't come to destroy the building. He didn't call, He didn't come to ruin it, destroy, demolish, dismantle. Uh, he did not do that. But in fact, he, he, I would even suggest in, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he, he blows the dust off. <laughs> he, he blows the, the pharisaical, sure. um, because of tradition and manipulation, he blows the dust off of it and, and makes it clear. Hmm. Uh, and it, he, re, he recovers its forcefulness, if you will. So hmm. he didn't come to get rid of, water down, uh, abolish. He didn't do that. But, he, but it does say he came to fulfill it. Um, he came to meet the obligation. And so what does that mean? Uh, well, every every Protestant, hopefully every person who says they're a Christian, yeah. would say he came to fulfill the law as in he met the legal obligation so that we might be justified freely by faith. Hmm. So to be justified means to be declared righteous. It's a forensic word. It's a legal word. Uh, and righteous means adherence or obedience to the law. So Jesus came and he fulfilled the obligation he fulfilled the law by obeying perfectly so that we could be justified freely and have god not be a compromiser or somehow compromising his standards because there's there's a real substitute hmm. so uh, let's keep that in mind and if we think in terms of what does it mean that he fulfilled the law well again we have to think in terms of mosaic law right well, he yeah. fulfilled it and he 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 brought it to its uh, desired end, if you will, um, he brought the the old covenant world to its climax and its uh, consummation closing i 'm not sure if i 'm using the exact right words, but he brought fulfillment, so we didn 't have to to do it anymore hmm. if you will yeah, yeah, we don 't yeah. need to have sacrifices we don 't need Jewish holidays. Um, we, we don't need to keep food laws, which I'm getting ahead of myself. No, he brings it to a real close. Yeah, it's that,
0: done, right? It's
1: done. That word fulfilled is actually used close by in Matthew. In Matthew 122, where it talks, uh, quoting Isaiah right before that and the um, the prophecy regarding the, the virgin, it says in verse 22... All this took place to fulfill, same mm, word yeah. that the Lord, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So the fulfillment of prophecy, uh, is what happens. So he fulfilled the law as in it required something and it doesn't need to be fulfilled again. It's been fulfilled one and done mm, yeah. for his people. If we're thinking of it in those terms, back to Galatians three, uh, verse 24. So then the law, the Mosaic law was our guardian keyword until Christ came mm. So we actually don't need it to be our guardian anymore. If he's speaking uh, in terms of the the unfolding of the drama of redemption, we call it the Historia Salutis. Hmm. Yeah,
0: good. So are Christians obligated to obey the law then? If Christ came and he fulfilled the law— and we're saying that's done, come to a close. Yeah. Uh, are we obligated to obey the law
1: then? I, I love these questions because I wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I love the questions because I want to say, well, what do you mean? Yeah, right. I, so that's- so many of the, these questions that we're talking about here and you all who listen are, are good at learning nuance or good at um, saying, well, what do you mean by that question? I know because I've talked enough, enough of you yeah, and yeah. you've written enough uh, times and we're thankful for that. But- Are we obligated to obey the law? Well, not for justification, that's for sure. Right, We're going to get to Romans 6 in a little bit. So certainly not. We're not obligated to obey the law in order to be justified. No, we're justified freely by faith in the one who perfectly obeyed the law. Think Romans 3, think Romans 4 and 5. So not for justification, I'll also say we're not obligated to obey the law uh, when it comes to the Mosaic law, strictly speaking. Hmm. Now, we could talk about the moral aspects. Sure, yep. Because, yep. again, the, the, the inscripturation of the ten represent what already existed. Yeah, and sure. So yep. absolutely, when it comes to the morality and the principles of the Mosaic law, I'm going to say in a general sense, yeah, we're obligated to do that because that's law before there was law. Yeah but if we're talking about the mosaic economy if we're talking about the the Old Covenant world and system. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say, no, we're not obligated. Christians are not under the Levitical food laws. Read Acts chapter 10. To argue otherwise is not very historic unless you're trying to go back uh, to Ellen White and Seventh-day Adventism. Right. Yes, right. Um, you have to do these ridiculous hermeneutical gyrations. Have we ever said gyrations before? <laughs> I don't on the back said <laughs> could, it, it may, Maybe not on a shirt. <laughs> We probably
0: shouldn't put that one on a shirt. Or minutical That gyrations. won't be the new shirt coming out at the Pactum Conference. Okay. That's for okay. Sure.
1: <laughs> you know, when, but when Christians try to argue that we're under the Mosaic Law, the Levitical uh, system, which is part of the old te- old covenant economy, and you, you just have to contradict Acts ten or come up with these really weird things, right, and yeah. you're, you're not on the side of historic Christianity or straightforward biblical Christianity. It looks more cultic. Hmm. So I got in trouble recently for saying something's cultic. I,
0: you know, I saw uh, that you
1: did. How about when you don't align yourself with other Christians throughout history and you come up with your own novel interpretations, that's called cultic. (laughs) By definition. So by definition. (laughs) So uh, not only let's keep going with this one, though. Christians are not required to become Jewish uh, or to adopt adopt Jewish manners and customs or laws. That's the whole issue in Acts 15. Cross-reference Galatians. Let's do one more. Christians are not called to reproduce Israel-like theocracies. Hmm, yeah. So uh, it's not it's not what we've been called to do. Uh, so we're going to give pushback on that. It was designed to sp- serve a specific purpose, to be the type, to be the shadows, prophet, priest, king, lamb, all of those things. Uh, but it's designed to anticipate in type and shadow until christ comes galatians three twenty four. right we could say more about this right progressive revelation also points toward this the book of hebrews points toward this yeah right yep. god long ago hebrews 1 1 at many times and at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers through the prophets but in these last days he's spoken to us through his son and then he goes on to highlight wonderful things about christ but when you keep reading the rest of the book it's yeah, Christ is the final and last word, no longer religious priesthood, no longer the sacrifices, no longer Judaism, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, and it's once for all, chapter 7, chapter 9, once for all, chapter 9, once for all, chapter 10, once for all. So to go back and say we've got to do the Jewish things uh, is anti-Christian, Yeah, uh, and it's not a good look. Um And sadly, sometimes people who profess to be Christians uh, get caught up in these things, and they're not reading their Bible clearly, they're not reading the book of Hebrews clearly, and they're not reading Christian history very clearly either.
0: Hmm. So in many ways, the answer to the question, are Christians obligated to obey the law right now, you're saying is, depends what you mean, but in all these (laughs) ways—
1: No, that's a great. I, you're here to summarize. I love that. So that's a lot of ways that we're not. Let's do no moss. <laughs> uh, so no, we're not. We're not obligated to obey God's law. Having said that, yes. in a particular way, that would right. be a bad soundbite out of context. Yes, because we're not not antinomian. Right. We're not anti-law. Right. We're pro-law. And if you read Romans chapter six, it's so interesting, and you have to conclude Christians are called to obey God's law. Yes, right. For, for Christian living as justified sinners, yep, we're supposed to obey the law, and it would be wrong to not obey the law. Right. Wouldn't be good for you, wouldn't be good for your neighbor, wouldn't be good for your family if you have one, wouldn't be good for your church, wouldn't be good for society. Christians are to be law obeyers, but not for justification. Right. Yep. So Romans 6 is wonderful in this way. 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Hmm. And just park that there, <laughs> listeners. It says we're not under law. So why did Mike and Pat on the Pactum just say we are under law for Christian living? Well, because we're reading texts in context. Right, right. <laughs> so um, you're not under law, but under grace. What does he mean according to the context? We're not under law, but under grace for justification. Right. We're we're in the family. We're brought into the family freely. It's all grace. Uh, but he, he he's not saying we're not under law in any way, shape, or form. And we know this, right, right? Because if you keep reading Romans six six fifteen says, "What then are we to sin?" We learned in First John chapter three, sin is lawlessness, right? Right. Because we are not under law, but under grace. By no means, right, and then he goes on to say he, he goes on to use law words, yes he says obedient. He says, obey, obedience. He says, even righteousness, mm-hmm. which is adherence to law. That's a law word right. in verse 16 at the end. And then uh, verse 17, obedient. Verse 18, righteousness. We shouldn't be, oh, lawless, hmm. according to verse 19. Uh, says it twice there, but righteous, righteous. And we could go on and on. Right, But this is one of those great opportunities to say, um, Pactum verse when you're doing theology when you're reading the bible even um it's not word studies are important hmm. uh studying one word one verse is important i i just did a word study if you will righteous is a law word yeah mm-hmm. but you've got to look at things in context when he says we're not under law we're under grace just keep reading and he goes on to essentially say without saying it exactly this way but we are under law
0: yes right
1: <laughs> 're we 're under law for guidance to do to do out of gratitude um, by by the statements that he makes, so yeah. Christians are not under law for justification, but Christians must obey the law, yeah because we 're justified because we 're in the family. If you can get that figured out in Romans chapter six, I think you 've got some really good traction, yeah,
0: absolutely so, so again, to summarize, are uh, Christians right are right? Christians obligated. To obey the law, no and yes, and it, it's the no is depending on if you're meaning for justification, and the yes is in response, out of gratitude, it's that guilt grace gratitude type of thing going Well on put here.
1: well put, and sometimes Christians, and they have big followings, unfortunately, have taken those verses out of context or not under law but under grace, and somehow they conclude that Christians have nothing whatsoever to to do with the law of God. Hmm. and it probably relates to confusion, thinking laws are always mosaic and things like that. The data just doesn't support it, and it just leads to all kinds of confusion, um, even regarding issues such as justification. So don't be confused. Don't be confused. Mike, I'm kind of distracted today. We're halfway... No, we're more than halfway done with this, but I'm kind of distracted because you've got all these cameras in our recording studio, and it looks like you've got some kind of... not. Now we have a new mixing board. Is that a mixing well, board a, you have over a, there?
0: It's another one. It's a it's a camera uh, switcher type thing, a I don't know <laughs> okay. what you call these things, but you know I'm, we're trying out some video testing here, and okay. uh, we're just kind of feeling it out, seeing how it goes. It's it's you know set it up, see if the equipment works, see how bad it looks, and we'll try to make some adjustments, and you know we'll get it we'll get it
1: done. So is it the camera that's making me look overweight, or is- <laughs> <laughs> that's my camera?
0: I'm already several times I've thought, you know, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> I need to work oh, out, so this will work out. My well, goodness gracious! <laughs> we know
1: people who won't listen to the Pactum. If you're listening to this, you do listen. to Yeah, the Pactum. that's right. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for being. But a there are those listening. who are who uh, want more of a visual. So we'll see how that goes. That's on them because it's um, not pretty when you, when so my cameras. We're going to work on that for those who <laughs> want to have a visual experience. We
0: are. So I'm sorry for the distraction, but we're trying to get these things going here. You mm-hmm. know, trying to test it out. So uh, all this talk about law. And perhaps people are wondering, what about the gospel? We talk a lot about the gospel and the pactum, obviously. Uh, How does the law
1: relate to the gospel? Both are vital, right? Yeah. We can make this one super short. If you don't, you need both. Both are vital. Both are essential. They're not the same. So law is what God requires, and gospel is what God graciously provides for us in Christ, ultimately. So how do they relate? Well, you won't—they're both vital, but you won't see your need for Christ if you don't see your sin. Sin is lawlessness, so it's law-breaking. What does Jesus do? Jesus comes and he atones for our sins so we can be forgiven for our law-breaking, but he also fulfills all righteousness. He also does all of the right things, so his perfect obedience to the law, which is called righteousness, can be credited to us so that God can justify us. He can declare us righteous, not because we are, but because he is, and he does so freely. It comes to us by faith. Right. Yeah. So both uh, are vital. They You can't really have one without the other, sure, if yeah. you will, at least from a Christian perspective. Right, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So should churches uh, be preaching the law then, That's, if they're both vital?
1: Yeah. That, some, so sometimes we, we tend to say, well, we should only preach Christ, Right. And I like that. That's good form, that good, good style, that's, that's, right? That's good form. And that's we like good. to learn from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. You know, we have decided, we have determined, we have resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right. I, I, I agree with that verse, Mike. Do you? I totally agree I with that verse. I think that verse is in the Bible absolutely. and belongs in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that verse assumes a lot, right? It's shorthand because you don't need Christ crucified If you don't have violations of God's law. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, the Corinthians, Paul makes it clear to them. They're sinners. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He does. They are lawbreakers. (laughs) And so they need Jesus to make atonement and to be a perfect law keeper for them. So I think it's good that we remember the church should be all about the gospel. Um, yeah. It's of first importance, First Corinthians 15, but that assumes that we're also about preaching the law. Mm, yeah. And so I want to make sure I preach law and gospel. I just don't want to preach gospel, which ruins both. That would make a great shirt for sure. The gospel shirt. Uh-huh. The pactum.org. Oh, I guess that is a
0: <laughs> thing. It is. So how would you how would you do that? I'm just, this isn't on the list of questions. This is like, you know, 8B here. Mike is freewheeling. You know, hey. And
1: I'm nervous, so I'm going to shake the it's pack. It's okay. Get of the pack of snow globe, globe and get the,
0: get the vibes going there. Would you, are you saying that that happens in a sermon, like in two different parts kind of thing? Does one lead you to the other or does it intermix or is there not a one way, you know, fits all?
1: Okay. Um, you know, I think, I, I, I guess I don't go out of my way. Um. Some some churches they're going to read from the law, yeah, every Sunday, and they are going to read from the gospel. Yeah. And what they mean is not necessarily Mosaic, though it could be. Uh, but they're going to they're going to read what God requires, and mm-hmm. then read what God provides. And I think that's sure. a fine and good thing to do in one's liturgy. Sure, it's yeah, not yeah. something that I feel compelled to have to do. But by and let's go maybe on the bigger picture uh, side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be a Sunday where I only preach gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but um there I, you know what i would like to do some sunday i've never done it is just preach the law yeah right i can't remember who i heard talk about it some famous preacher that i admired a long time ago just wanted to just preach straight up full force gloves off law just go and then at just it. like walk out <laughs> <laughs> now, right? Yeah. And just, just hammer it. Now, I don't think that's probably a good idea. That's though. probably so, not a great idea. Anyway, I think some Sundays, depending on the text, depending on different things and what's going on in the life of the church, there might be a greater emphasis on law uh, or a greater emphasis on the gospel. But when it comes to the big picture and the warp and woof of ministry, um, probably haven't said that on the Pactum either. The I warp know. and woof. Just in the, in the the in the everyday... <laughs> functioning week in and week out, life of the church, we'd better have law and we'd better have gospel. Right, yeah. Um, but in my sermon notes, I don't have to uh, uh, a, a marker that right, says... Yeah. Actually, every template always says something about the gospel, so yeah. it's a reminder to me, as if I needed to be reminded. Oh, right, right, right. But... Um, I would want to have both and have both be a regular part, sure
0: so it's maybe it's even just as we've talked about on the Pactum before, understanding and knowing these categories yep. and being able to clearly uh preach through these different categories as they come up and correctly apply them and, is and basically both
1: are all over scripture, yeah, and, and we have you know first use of the law, we have third use of the law, things yeah. like that, yep. And, And so one thing I don't want to do is give people – give Christians commands without reminding them of where that should be motivated from. Right, yes. Right? So because of what Christ has done for you and meeting the obligation – now do this out of gratitude. And gratitude, going sure. to your point, guilt, yep. grace, gratitude.
0: Yep. Okay. So uh, off of eight B, we'll move to the actual next question that okay. we have here. Uh, what is legalism? When we talk about law, a lot of people think maybe about legalism, or don't want to be a legalist, or you're such a legalist, or whatever
1: it may be. What is legalism? Before we before we actually dive into it, isn't it interesting, Mike? How sometimes when churches say they don't preach law. Hmm. They, they give tons of commands and you all must, and you must, you must. And guess what? They say they don't believe the law for today. They say that they don't preach law. And guess what? It's They're preaching law because yeah. when we give people commands to obey, that's law. And mm-hmm. that, that's good. Yeah. The law is good. The law is good, law righteous, is good. and holy. But if we don't have the, the categories, we might be tending toward legalism. Sure. Sure. So let's just have the categories and say law is what God requires. Gospel is what God graciously provides. Uh, and so we don't measure up to meet the requirement for salvation. So we need Christ. And now that we have Christ we, and we can talk about now, we want to obey the law out of gratitude. Right. Yeah. So what is legalism? Yeah. Uh, well, there are different varieties, but one form of legal, legalism would be, uh, and this is the worst kind it's talked about in the book of Galatians. When you follow any kind of law, and you do so because you think you're going to be saved. Hmm, yeah. So you're going to be justified or finally justified or whatever right. the kids are talking about. <laughs> right. Uh, if in any way, shape or form, you think somehow God is going to accept you because of what you do, that's legalism hmm. uh, because there's none righteous, no, not one. We need Christ's righteousness that comes to us freely by faith so that we can be justified. And anytime somebody tries to weasel in, you know, an ounce or half an ounce hmm. or a Sixteenth of an ounce. Um, <laughs> no, our acceptance before God is is not based on anything we do. Otherwise, that's that's high-handed, bad news. Galatian heresy, legalism. Right. Yeah. Now there are uh, other kinds where maybe, and maybe some kinds of legalism. They're using Bible verses, like sure, in Galatians. Yeah. You have to be circumcised. You have to adopt an Old Testament kind of requirement. Uh, or, or something else in the Bible, you must do this perfectly. It could be a biblical requirement, but there's also legalism that comes up with extra biblical practices. Mm. You, you must do these things for God to accept you. Uh, or maybe it's not as bad of a legalism. You've got to do extra biblical things uh, f- just for godliness. Mm. That's another kind of legalism. Yeah, You must do this, even though the Bible doesn't say so, to be a good godly Christian. Uh, that's, that's legalism. Um, Some of it's well-meaning, too. Uh, If you you don't have a 15-minute quiet time uh, or something like that, that would be a form of legalism. It might work great for you in your practice, but when you impose it on yourself or someone else, it could easily be legalism. Yeah, for sure. Another kind of legalism would be when we take—how about this, Mike? Scripture, scriptural commands that were never designed for you, Hmm. and you make them for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're back to the, to the food laws yeah. and Jewish holidays and dress codes. Uh, those are biblical laws, but they were never designed for you, Mr. and Mrs. Gentile. Sure. Uh, or uh, someone who's part of the body of Christ, which is Jew and Gentile. Right, yeah. So that, that's a form of legalism. Um, thankfully, some of those folks who are wrapped up in it still believe in justification by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. But oftentimes they're not very clear about it. Right. And it's still legalism. Uh, And remember, uh, just so we're clear, all of the Bible is important. All of it's inspired. All of it is even applicable, Mm -hmm. but it's not all immediately applicable. Right. Yeah. So Jewish food laws are interesting, but they're not immediately applicable to Christians. Read Acts 10, not just Leviticus 11. So then what do I learn from Leviticus 11? It's applicable because I can see, oh, uh, schoolmaster, tutor designed for specific purpose, uh, Israel was a holy nation, unique, because before Leviticus 11, uh, shrimp was on the Barbie, <laughs> <laughs> right? So Israel is the parenthesis, right? So the, we, have, sure. we have Gentiles before, yep. uh, and then we have Everybody's a Gentile, if you will. Yeah. And then we have this unique holy nation designed to foreshadow, designed to typify, designed yep, to yep. anticipate. It's this strange—and I'm using that word because holy means different, strange, unique people for a particular time uh, until Christ comes. Yep, read until Galatians. Christ comes, yeah. And so— I. They're applicable because I'm learning about redemptive history. Hmm. They're applicable because I'm seeing how the types and the shadows uh, relate to the substance. And I can appreciate that. But they're not applicable uh, as end games, and they're not immediately applicable. Right. I can see how strict everything was Hmm. uh, as well, and to see how Christ came and not only fulfilled the law in general, but in a very unique kind of strict sense. Sure. So there's all the things. There's all the things legalism. We probably should just at least mention Neonomianism since we have said yeah. antinomianism in this episode. Yep. Uh, no law. And we've said legalism. And then we could say Neonomianism. Yes. Yep. And uh, what, what, what movie is Neo in? Trinity Neo, and Neo uh, and... The, the Matrix. Matrix. The Matrix. I don't think I've ever actually watched The Matrix. You've never seen no. any of them at I've, all? I've maybe tried. It looks kind of... Some of the fighting scenes are cool. So the Pactum's not endorsing. Um, the we're, show it no, might we're be not great. Endorsing. It's whatever it means to you. If yes. you like it, <laughs> if then you that, like that, that's wonderful. <laughs> whatever it means to you as you watch <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> but I think Neo is a character. Yes, Neo is okay. Keanu so, Reeves. Yeah. Okay, so we're not talking about that. No. Neo Nomianism is you have a new law, new law so yeah. it becomes a form of legalism. Yes. So when you say we're going to introduce new rules and regulations for acceptance from God, typically, yes, uh, something like final justification, right? Uh, that's we would call that. Neo- Neo-nomianism. We think Richard Baxter was kind of a neo-Nomian, not big fans on the pactum. Right, exactly. Okay. So, all right, wrapping up, we've made it to our 10th question. I interrupted made. you. Yeah. I didn't want you to say if you've watched The Matrix or not because I didn't want any like hate mail or something. So. I've
0: watched The Matrix. I'm not ashamed to say I've watched it. <laughs> Let it be known. <laughs> I think I've seen. I think I've seen all of them. I didn't see the newest one where they t- tried to reboot it or whatever. I don't know.
1: Okay. Uh, anyway, so I, I I remember one time listening to a pastor, or maybe it was in writing. I can't remember. But within a short time span, he was just railing on Christians who watch R-rated movies. Mm. And uh, maybe that'll be a different episode for us. We're not here to try to negotiate all of that, but he was just ripping uh, pastors who quote R-rated movies or something like that. And uh, I think that, that's a rub for me because of uh, The Gladiator. Is that rated R? I think it might be. I, Oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. So anyway, uh, all yeah. of that to say, and then he ends up <laughs> quoting a, a movie line no <laughs> like in a sermon I just heard right after from an R-rated movie. It's of just course. funny because I don't think he knew what he was doing. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So that is fine. We got we have to be careful when we do the always and never and always impose and never. It on other people. Yep, that's right. Uh, so okay. anyway, but we on the pactum are for what is true, righteous and good. We are. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, 10th question to yes. wrap it up here. Yes, Neo. On this episode about the law, what role does the law play in the believer's spiritual growth? Okay, we can
1: do this one simply. We can, how, first yep. of all, how would you answer, back to my listeners? What role does the law play in the believer's spiritual growth? Yes. I'm going to say it really helps me yep. because it reminds me of my need for Jesus. Yes. Yep. So yep. Jesus is really good for unbelievers, but Jesus is really, really good, good for, for believers. Yeah, for sure. Because since we're not glorified, we still struggle with sin, and yeah. since the law requires that we love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's with all of our faculties, all of our motives, all of our everything. I I should be reminded by God's law that I've never, ever perfectly obeyed it. Right. And so I need Jesus. I need the gospel. I I don't need to be born again, again. Right, right. But I'm so thankful for the work of Christ for me, and that helps to motivate me. Um, it, it, it brings me to shame because I want to live for my master. I want to honor him. Um, but it does remind me of my need for Christ. And so that it plays that really important role. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that fuels humility as well. It fuels our, um, the way we act toward other believers who are not yet perfectly, uh, they're not yet glorified. Right. Yep. So it creates patience, but also let's remember what role does it play? Reminds us of our need for Christ, but it also guides us. Hmm. Yeah. Right, it is yeah. according to Psalm one nineteen one oh five, a lamp to our feet. I realize Psalm one oh five, at least in the ESV, says your word is a lamp. It doesn't say law, but in Psalm one nineteen, there are synonyms used for right. word, yeah, yeah. law, statutes, precepts, um, yeah, all those. Yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. So he is talking about God's God's law. So yeah. it guides us, it directs us, it shows us what's healthy, it shows us what's right for our own hearts, for our own thinking, for our relationships, for church life. It is our guide, and praise God it doesn't damn us as our guide Mm, because we're in Christ. So it is vital. It's expected, according to Romans chapter 6. We need law in our life. Yes, we do.
0: Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Pactum for this episode on law. We are thankful for all of you, our listeners, all several of you. (laughs) And we'd love to see several of you at our conference coming up in October here in Omaha, Nebraska. 2023. 2023, October 6th and 7th, All Things New. We'd love to have you here. You can get signed up and registered on thepactum.org. Just 25 bucks. Go ahead and get signed up. We'd love to have you. You can find us online on Twitter, on Instagram. You can be emailing us connect at thepactum.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Pactum.